Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Well, I have I have one of these these fun messages that you know you got to be careful sometimes when you ask God for 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 what He wants you to do and, and fill me up, give me you know let me be a vessel, let me let me do what you want, I, whatever it is that you've got for me. This is it's always a tremendous honor and it's a and I revere this opportunity to minister and of course I want to get the youth, the young people more involved. Our leaders are coming up and and we're putting the schedule together. So in future youth services, we're going to start to hear from those guys and I know my son's ministered a couple times. Brother Clark has ministered and uh, we're going to get them a little bit more involved and and I want them to have the opportunity too to take the time to seek the Lord for the message and to study and and for you to hear from them, hear from the perspective of the young people and and understand where they're at and the things that occupy their mind and the things that God is dealing with them. And so that's going to be kind of how we're progressing. And so um, I'll still obviously be involved and, and again, I'll be part of the rotation or whatever they want me to do, but I'm really giving them much more opportunity to, to be a part of that and lead this youth ministry. So what a privilege that you and our leaders and our pastor gives the youth department an opportunity once a month to operate a service and, and be a part of that. That's been a wonderful thing since my wife and I have taken over the youth leadership, and we really appreciate that. That is a wonderful thing. It is a good thing, and we want to continue to encourage the youth and, uh, and the young people as they come up and uh, get them involved in those things and moving through. So anyway, so I've got, I did this, and I, I always pray for my messages, and, I, and I, I have a few backed up once in a while. I'll just be, anybody else do this where you'll just be praying, and you say, well, Lord, if there's an opportunity to teach or speak, you know, whatever you'd have me do, and then God gives you a message, and then you write your notes, and then you tuck it away, and if you're called upon, right, you, you okay, I've got this. And so I've got a couple things, and God gave me a couple of neat messages at Winter Youth Convention that are still there, and I had, so I, tonight I was going to preach on the apple God gave me a message at Winter Youth Convention, two messages. One's called the idol, the other one's called the apple. And did not call to me to teach either one of those tonight. <laughs> and uh, so I began to pray about it and look for what God had. And, uh, and so this, this message came out of this. And uh, so, but it's, you know, in the last several days as I'm finalizing my notes, I don't know if you guys do this to teach, but I'll make notes and I'll have a sheet and I'll get my scriptures and I'll do my study on the scripture part and then I'll put it down. And then a couple days later, I'll come back and I'll dive back in and something else will be there. I'll be in prayer and God will say, well, here's, you know, here's a really important thing. And then you go back to your notes and you refine them. And, but sometimes it's like a flood comes out, like God just pours it out and it's like, bah, 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 bah. So, so then your fear, of course, is you come up and you're going to be all scattered all over the place and people are going to be like, what in the world is he talking about? So I'm just asking God... Uh, help me because you've given me so much and I think it's a fun message and it's, it's exciting and maybe we'll learn a couple things and it won't just have to be that same old kind of quiet Wednesday service where Brother Cordell bores everybody to sleep. Um, now if you all had guests here, be honest with me, if you all had guests here tonight, it was the first time ever in a Pentecostal church, you would want them to experience something that when they went home tonight, they went, wow, that was really a great place to be, Right? Okay, so that's what I'm working on. So now you know. So be a part of that. Everybody, you know, smile. Everybody look at somebody in your role and just start laughing. Just, just laugh. <laughs> it's kind of infectious and it kind of warms you up, right? Just, you know, get a chuckle and there. Just laugh, you know, just warm up. 
because it's part of, the, part of what I got to talk to you about tonight. So um, the message I want to tell you about, and I don't like titles, but Brother Hickey has to put something on the label, so I do. Um, so my message for tonight is, I want to be a lively stone. I want to be a lively stone. Anybody else here want to be a lively stone? I want to be a lively stone. I'm referencing, of course, 1 Peter chapter 2. Sister Lita, if you could bring up 1 Peter chapter 2. And um, you guys ever tell a joke to someone, and, and as you begin telling the joke, you realize it's probably not a really new joke, and then you stop and you go, if you heard this, stop me. You ever do that? Anybody do that? If you've already heard this joke, stop me. Because there's nothing more embarrassing than when you're in the middle of the joke and the person goes, oh yeah, I heard this one, I know the punchline. Okay, so I kind of feel like some of this information is a little bit like, if you heard this, stop me. But obviously nobody will, but I'll get to that in a second. So 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 4. Actually, let's start at verse 1. Let's, as Bob Ross would say, let's get a little crazy tonight. Let's go look. Anybody know Bob Ross, the painter? Yes. Let's get a little crazy. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And I'll read from my notes rather than scripture because I can see it better. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. There's so many key words in that, in that group of scriptures. Chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Lively stones. Now, I thought about that for a minute, and I thought, there, there's really a lot of reference to stones and rocks and all that stuff throughout Scripture, and they're very significant. But why rocks and stones? So the first thing that, that I started studying and thinking about is, what's the difference between a rock and a stone? Anybody have an idea? I asked Sister Runs this question earlier today just to see. What's the difference between a rock and a stone? Stone is a piece of the rock. I like that. Somebody said size. I would have to agree. Scripturally speaking, in that scripture, lively translates in the Greek as zao. It means to be warm or to have warmth or to be warm as in alive, to have warmth. But a rock, if you look at the difference throughout scripture and you study rocks and stones, a rock is typically a jagged thing. It's jagged and lumpy and, you know, you go dig up a rock and it's got all these rocks, and, you know, this crags and things and it's sharp and it hurts your hands. And stones, scripturally speaking, are typically smooth. Why? Most likely because of all of the undulation of working through the earth's soil. They've been hewed over and, and, and smoothed out or they've been smoothed over by water. And so there is a distinction and there is a difference in scripture between the rocks and the stones. Okay. Psalms chapter 118 verse 22 refers to Jesus. Now I'm going to just I'm going to jump around a little bit because I'm bringing this all together. I'm, I'm ta- obviously I'm talking here about Jesus and I'm talking about us and why we should want to be lively stones. We want to be lively stones and why it's important. In Psalm 118:22, the psalmist wrote, 
the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Okay, now this is one example where we see Jesus continuously likened as to the stone or the cornerstone or the head of the stone. This is very significant because it's foundational. It represents the fact that on him, everything else stands. Everything else is built, right? And yet, what Peter is calling us, he says, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And so, this direction from Peter, what he's saying is, is, is like unto a foundation of a house. See, when they build homes, when they build houses or buildings at the time that this is written, rocks were thrown in as the foundation. They just took rocks and they made a steady foundation, right? We know the, the parable in Matthew about the house that was built on the rock versus the house that was built on the sand. And so rocks were, were thrown in and put down as a base. But stones were what they used to build a house with. Why? Because they were more attractive and because nobody wants to build a house with an ugly bunch of stones stacked up. Just like uh, fieldstone fireplaces. You ever see a fieldstone fireplace? Nice. Could you imagine if someone built a fireplace and stacked it up with concrete with ugly, craggy rocks? That wouldn't be very attractive at all. And so the uh, reference there, of course, is to the building, the, the, the structure. He's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God, not churches, physical churches, not physical buildings, but he's talking about the kingdom of God. But lively stones, he references in there. And as I said, in the Greek, it means, and you can look this up in the Strong's Concordance, but warm or to have life or to be used of natural living. Um, The image is of basically of warm, living, breathing stones being used to build a great house. And of course, that's the house where the kingdom is. That's the house where Christ resides. And so we start to get an idea that this stone, and the other aspect of stone, and, and the, the reason this is so important is because it's hard, it's earth, it's, it represents strength. But did you know that scripturally speak, speaking, stone, smooth stones, represent truth, purity, strength? Did you know that, for example, in the time of the building of the temple, and the scripture tells us, they were not allowed to use stones that were hewed or cut. They had to find stones to build a temple that were natural. And the reason for that is is that stones that are hewn and cut are fake, or they're prescribed, they're artificially beautiful. And so the message there is that we need to be natural, we need to be pure, or we need to be of truth. Every time in scripture when someone were to build an altar, for example, Noah gets off of the ark, first thing he does is he builds an altar. What's the altar made of? A pillar of stones. It represents purity and truth. He was, he was marking God's promise. And so the same thing for Joshua crossing the Jordan, an altar of stones. Did you know that when Joshua built that altar of stones on the west side of the Jordan River that almost caused a civil war? See, at the time... God had said when, when Moses came down from the mount with the, with the law, which were what? Tablets of stone, right? The law was in the stone. So Moses comes down from the, the mount with the law, and God declares that you will not build altars. They were not to be done. And so when, jo- uh, when Joshua crossed the Jordan, 
And as we know, of course, Brother Kylie just preached it on Sunday. He built the, the altar as he was instructed, or as they were instructed, built the altar, the pillar of stones on the West Bank. He also built the one in the middle of the river. He was not supposed to do that technically. The, the, the Israelites, his brothers and sisters on the other side of the river, thought that he was breaking the law, thought that he was defying God. And they were getting ready to go to war and go after him until they went and inspected it and found out that it was an altar of God. And the reason that they did it is they were marking God's promise. Okay, now let's take a look at David. David's got to go face a giant. What does he do? Grabs his pouch, he grabs his sling, and what? Five smooth stones. And the Bible specifically says, Scripture specifically says, five smooth stones. Now, one of those stones was chosen randomly, as it were, perhaps. Maybe God directed him. We don't know. But one of those stones was chosen to become the one that takes down the giant. Are you starting to see where I'm going? You're starting to see? We need to be lively stones. That was a smooth, lively stone that God took. Now, we know that it wasn't the strength of David. It was God behind him. David's faith, God's power, and it hits the giant and takes it down. I want to be a lively stone that gets chosen by God and put into the sling and knocks down giants. That's what I'm trying to talk about. You see, that's what's exciting. I want to be that lively stone. You want to be that lively stone? I want to be the one that's chosen, but the only way to be the one that's chosen is to be the smooth stone and to be in the pouch, you see? To be in the kingdom. It's real easy, folks, and it's so... We're, we're very challenged, especially today. If the Israelites only knew what we go through and what we have to live with in this day and age and the wickedness that we're surrounded by and the challenges that we face and the, and the economy and the way that we have to plow through and try to live godly and do the best that we can for our families and reach people amongst all the things that we deal with. But the thing is, we've got God. We've got him on our side. He's got the pouch. He's got the sling. He's ready to work with us. I just can't help wondering, what if, what if we really, really got a hold of our true identity and we really understood who we really are? Why is it that Americans are so prone to accepting less than what we are really capable of? Why is it that a wonderful young man and his family from some Middle Asian country can scratch and claw and fight and, and beat his way onto a, a ship or a plane or a whatever and make his way to the United States of America and land on these shores and say, I've made it and I'm going to be successful and I'm going to do it and I'm going to get out there and make it happen. And yet for us as, as natives of this land under this bounty, we just accept less for ourselves. Oh, I can't do it. You know, people, are, we're so more prone to say, convince ourselves we can't do something than we are to believe that we can. But all these folks out there who see the United States as the shining beacon on the hill that Reagan talked about understood that this was the land of opportunity. It was the place they could go. And if they just could just step their foot on the soil and stay here, they were going to make it. They were going to be successful and they were going to win. And they do. And they did. And they do all the time. There's success stories everywhere. But native United States American citizens... We just give up on that somehow. We lose it somehow. We just accept less for ourselves. And 
And in the parallel is the Christian church. Sometimes we're just not lively stones. We just don't believe that God can do it through us. I can't be a great preacher. I can't be a great soul winner. That person's not going to accept my invitation to a Bible study. Why? Why do we accept that? If we're lively stones, we're full of that warmth and that life and that power of God, why can't we open our mouths and say, hey, I've got something I'd like to share with you. Wouldn't you like to be a part of our Bible study? Wouldn't you like to come to church? Wouldn't you like to be experience what I get? Well, maybe they would say no if you're one of the people that walks around, oh, life is so hard. I just can't make it. I'm never going to pay my bills. I, I can't. I wouldn't want to go to church with that person either. But if you took hold of your identity and who you are and what you are and what you have in here, you'd walk taller and stronger and you'd smile and you'd be happy and you'd be excited. So what if you're struggling paying the bills? Who cares? It's not our job to let them know that we're struggling to pay our bills or we're struggling with a health issue or we're struggling with something with family matters. It's our job to be out there and be lively stones, right? It's our job to show them what God can do for them and be a light in the world and so that we can affect this world and be what he called us to be, right? Okay, all right, I'm going. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. There is no other way for a person to go. There is no other opportunity. There is no way that they're going to be saved if they don't know Jesus Christ. I had a very surreal experience several years ago. Dave Z might remember this. A group, Dave and a group of us from church were going out to an Admiral's game. And it was a Friday night, and we stopped and had dinner. And we were going to the hockey game, and it was going to be fun. I was excited. And uh, I think it was probably my first or second Admirals game ever. And um, so we got to Bradley Center, and we got up there. And we're, the whole time, we're just chatting and just having a fun time and, you know, just being goofy guys from church. And we got to the part where you walk down that little tunnel to go out and you find your seat. And so I'm just walking along with everybody, and I'm excited. You know, Admirals game is going to be fun. And I step out just beyond the thing that's over your head, you know, when you come out of the tunnel. And all of a sudden, everything went into slow motion. And I remember it was the most bizarre thing. I wasn't thinking about church. I wasn't thinking about ministry or witnessing or Bible studies or saved or lost. None of that. I was thinking about, I'm really excited to go to Admiral's game. But I stepped out, and it was like everything went into slow motion. And I looked across this this auditorium, and usually at an Admiral's game on a Friday night, what is there, Dave, about five, 6,000 people? Something like that. And I look out, and I see this few thousand people, and I just kind of looked across the crowd, and I'm seeing all these people talking and cheering, and, and it, was, it was like a voice suddenly just said, who's going to reach them? Thousands of people. And I don't know, obviously, I don't know if other people there are Christians or they know God or not. I wasn't making a judgment on the whole place. But it was so profound that it just, it struck me that if these people don't know Jesus Christ, they're lost. And how many more thousands like this are just outside these walls? And thousands more beyond that. Now, I want to be very quick, insert this. 
I am not saying don't go to Admiral's Games because I still go to Admiral's Games and I really have a lot of fun. And we do it as a youth outing. That's, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a thing against Admiral's Games. It was just a very profound moment. I've never had one since then, but I have thought about it. I've thought back to that. I've been to Packer Games and thought the same thing, only there we're talking 73,000 people, right? And it just struck me that we go through life and we try to do our best. And I know you guys witness to friends and you invite people to church and, and you're looking for those opportunities. But I think there's a calling for us that sometimes if we don't really know our identity and we don't have the strength of that identity and we don't have the, the real true ownership of the power that we have, when you walk up to witness to someone or say something to someone, are you really thinking in your heart and in your mind, are you thinking, God's with me right now and my anointing is going to be when I talk to this person and say, hey, buddy, I got to talk to you. Do we really have that confidence? Does Superman worry about it when the guy pulls the gun on him? He shoots, and then he throws the gun at Superman. You ever see that, the old Superman serial? Now, obviously, we're not Supermen, but we serve a super God. Do you realize how powerful anointing really is? Do you understand inside? And I'm asking this rhetorically because I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is, do we really have a grip and an understanding on who or what we are? Or are we ready to simply accept less? Young people, my youth group, are you really ready to just let life do to you whatever life wants to do? To accept what comes? Just decide, oh, I'm not gonna make it, I'm not gonna be anything special, or maybe I'll make it, maybe I don't. Am I gonna be saved? I'm not sure. Are you really ready to just accept that this is what is destined for you even though you're a Christian in the church. Because I was a young person at one point in the church, 12 years old when I came in, and I remember that, constantly wondering, am I going to make it? This is too hard. I see all these people like Brother Rogers and Brother Kylie and, and, and all these ministers and guys, oh, I can never do that. I'm never going to make it. The temptations are too strong. It's too powerful. But it's a lie. And you can be lively stones. God doesn't want rough rocks to build his kingdom with. And that's really what the lively stones are all about, right? The scripture said to us. A spiritual house, holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. God does not want to build his kingdom with rough stones, fake stones cut and hewn He wants a natural stone that's true and pure to build his kingdom with. And so, if you look at examples, I mean, I thought about it as I was going through this whole process. I kept, and please don't think I'm trying to be worldly, but I kept thinking of examples in pop culture of people who would carry this type of confidence or this. And, and of course, I'm, an, I'm a sci-fi geek, so I have to invoke things like Star Wars. You know, and, but, you know, the Jedi guys, they didn't have any question in their abilities, right? They, they were going to pull out that lightsaber. The beams were going to come at them. They were just going to go like this. and right? They knew who they were. They knew what they were and the power that they had. Why is it that we can't seem to, to really take hold of that same thought process? Why can't we be Holy Ghost Jedi? The answer is we can. 
We have the ability to do that. It's not shameful. I'm not suggesting going out and being prideful and boastful and walking around. I have the Holy Ghost and I'm going to pray for you. But I'll tell you what. Inside, inside, we should be walking tall. We should be carrying ourselves with confidence and power. I have Jesus Christ on my side. I have the power of the Holy Ghost. And if God so chooses, he's going to reach into that pouch and he's going to pick me up and he's going to throw me as hard as he can at that giant and it's going to come down. And I can say from personal experience that I've stood in the face of the giant and I've thrown myself at the giant in Jesus' name and the giant has come down. I watched God take cancer out of the body of my niece when my family and I stood in a circle in our living room, anointed a cloth and in Jesus' name prayed for the power of the Holy Ghost. And in that moment, God confirmed to me that he is healing her at that moment. And shortly after she was in hospital and, and was uh, diagnosed with cancer. It was not long before the tests were coming back. Negative, 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 negative. Oh, well, we got to keep the chemo up. We got to, you know, there's, there's, there's protocol in the medical world, but okay, fine. I got it. No cancer, no cancer, no cancer. And that's just one example. And I know you have examples like that too, but why does it have to be a rarity? It doesn't have to be rare. It doesn't have to be this oddity that happens. It should be a regular part of our lives. And I'll tell you what I believe personally. I believe that we, as closer we, as, 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 closer as we get to the time when Christ returns and people are really hungry for God and desperate and looking for something else, we're going to be doing that more and more often. We're going to be Holy Ghost Jedi because there's going to be no more time for pomp and circumstance and, you know, discerning and, and, well, should we wear this and should we tell them that and should we have this idea and should we allow that person into the church and should we, no. This is going to be a triage unit and people that are desperate and hurting are going to be coming to our doors and we're going to be standing there and casting things out and praying over them and seeing them healed and seeing the sickness go away and their spirits and their minds restored. In Jesus' name, I believe that. In the Gospels, we read that Jesus was coming into and I apologize, it just popped out of my head and I'm, I'm thinking so fast with all this stuff. But you know the, you know the, the gospel that I'm talking about. It's the gospel of John and Jesus is, is traveling with, his, with, with, the, with the disciples and, and a throng of people come around and they begin worshiping him and praising him. And the Pharisees come up and they say, you need to hush these people, stop them from doing this. And Jesus looked at him and said, if they be silent, then surely the rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. See, that's the real deal here. Is it's not a matter if we decide whether we're going to be lively stones or someone else is going to be the lively stones. Jesus is going to have his lively stones. The work is going to be done. The praise is going to be there. And it's going to happen. I just want to be in the group that does it. I want to find that way where I can wake up every morning and I can truly, honestly believe that through him, through his ability... Through his promises, I have the power to help people. I have the power to reach people. I have the power to help God heal people. Not me, not my person, not my pride. I don't want that to get in the way. I don't want the flesh to be a part of it. But I want to wake up believing and knowing that I can be that lively stone for that person who needs me. 
And every single one of us can do the same thing. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. The theme just continues. God's word is so perfect. It's so perfect. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Once again, the same picture, building of that spiritual temple. That's what we're talking about, that spiritual kingdom of God. First Peter chapter 2, we're going to go back there to verse 7. Sorry, Sister Lead, I'm, I'm jumping through pretty quickly. Verse 7 says, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which, are disob- which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. People will reject him. The leaders of that time rejected Jesus. They cast him out. And so what this scripture is saying as we go on, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. There will be people that will reject him. And so those that reject the word and will not listen, not only will he not be a part of their lives, not only will they have not a chance, but he will be a stumbling block to them, an offense to them because of their choice. But verse nine says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, I have to point out, and the reason I, I know you know this scripture, we, we've, we read this scripture fairly often. Stop me if you've heard this before. Remember that? <clears throat> Peculiar does not mean odd. It doesn't mean weird or strange. You know what it means? It means precious as a gemstone. He's talking about you and me. A royal priesthood. Now, if you go back into history and you go into the establishment of the tabernacle and the adornment of the priests, you'll find out that the priests wore something on the outside of their robes. Anybody know what they were? Just getting there. That all, just for you guys, that all sounded like Shnabdat, Israel, and Israel. Exactly right. Um, gemstones. Their breastplates and their shoulders were covered in gemstones. Specific stones. Hewed and designed like they're supposed to be by God's call. And so we are, to God, we're a precious gemstone. A lively stone. A priesthood. Well, what was the job of the priesthood, folks? The priesthood was empowered with the authority to operate the house of God and to minister to the people. They had the ability. It was the priesthood that was responsible for taking the sacrifices of the people and carrying them into the Holy of Holies and pouring the blood on the altar and seeing their sins pushed forward. It was the priesthood that helped the lay people have a relationship with God. Lively stones. 
lively stones. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 11, 11 and 12. Peter's talking to the leadership. He's been arrested and they're challenging him for preaching Christ. And he says to them, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The head of the corner is salvation. We can introduce people. Us lively stones can introduce people to the head of the corner, the base of the foundation, the one rock. This, this planet, this earth, this humanity, this world that we live in has one foundation, one rock. We can communicate that to people. We can share that. We can let them know of everything you've tried to do in your life. Everything that you're looking for, what you, the answers that you're trying to find. You're trying to establish your house on a bed of sand. And we have a rock. We have the head of the corner. If you just believe in who you are and you grab hold of the role of a lively stone. Isaiah chapter 28 and 16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. We have a song we sing like that. It's lyrics to the song we sing. That was Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus Christ himself. A promise that we had in the word. As I said earlier, the law, the tablets of stone, David's stones in the sling, the rocks and the stones that were used for every altar. Pure, truth, but warm and alive. That's every single one of us in this room tonight. Let's stand this evening. I'm going to wrap up. I want to be a lively stone. I want to mean something to the kingdom of God. And I want to affect somebody's life. I don't want to drift through this life anymore just trying to make sure my tail's covered, my bases are good, the home's okay. We got to start affecting people's lives. We got to take a hold of this, this power that we have because as Jesus said, if they're, not going, to, if they're going to be silent, then the rocks are going to cry out. He's going to go and he's going to find somebody. If we're not going to do it for him, He's going to go find somebody, but his work is going to get done. And man, oh man, what a horrible, horrible day it would be if sometime we find and we know God says, I'm moving on because I need to find some lively stones that are willing to do my work. If you are at all interested in seeking what God's got for you in a way you can be a lively stone, just come down to the altar and, and talk to him. I promise you, if you open your heart like this and you tell God, send me somebody, send me someone, show me a way, give me something to do that I can, I can affect somebody, I promise you, people, come on down, you can come down. I promise you that people will show up in your lives. They'll pop up out of nowhere. People you never thought would talk to you about God will suddenly begin to ask you questions. They'll come to you looking for answers. They'll recognize the power in you. If you hold yourself up high, you take hold of the power that's within you and you carry yourself in confidence and power. 
I promise you, if you open your heart to this, people will come your way. God will send you opportunities. And you're going to affect a life that's on the verge of destruction. You're going to save a family that's struggling and dealing in pain. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.